G'day everybody and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. I'm your host Drew Agnew and The Doors, episode 255 are open. Hope you're going well, hope you're having a fantastic day wherever and whenever you check out the show. We're recording another episode on the farm yet again and after episode 250 I had a fantastic time recording out and about. It's a lot of fun. It's very freeing, actually, just setting up the camera and being able to talk, and there's no one around me. I can talk without being embarrassed. There's been a couple of times, even in my own house, where I'm like, oh, there's people here. A little bit embarrassing when it comes to just talking to yourself, but that's something I've got to get over. But on the farm, that's not a big deal. I can just talk to my heart's content, record it into the camera, and uh, anybody can watch it there, so I don't really know what the problem is. (laughs) Um, ideally, I should record it in front of thousands of people, and then that will prepare me for, I don't know, 50 people to watch it on YouTube. <laughs> but it is, it is always a lot of fun. Going to be talking about the Nintendo Direct that happened a few days ago, as well as the games that I've been playing throughout the week. But on the farm, when I was walking around having a look where I should record, usually I look for like a nice place to sit and some nice scenery. But I came across this place here, and while it might not be in frame necessarily, and... I guess on the audio version, you wouldn't be able to see anything, but just close your eyes and imagine this. I'm sitting on a, like a, a branch that's fallen off of a tree. It's been here for years on the farm, and we actually call it Grandad's Bar. And we call it Grandad's Bar because years ago when my granddad passed away, we actually spread his ashes here on the farm. And it's always been a place where I've come to you know get a bit of peace and quiet, think, and also connect with my, my granddad and my grandparents You know when they were you know, still alive, because they mean a great deal to me. They passed away when I was very young, but they actually moved over to Australia from from England. I was their only grandson, so they made the big move, and I'm so glad that they did because, you know, it allowed me to get to know them, and, you know, I, I really do miss them. So it's nice to be able to record the podcast here and share it with you guys. Um, there's a lot of places on the farm that meant a lot to me. You know, as a kid, this was this was my world getting around here, exploring the hill, all the trees, you know, everything. It seems so <laughs> seems a lot smaller to me now, but as a kid getting around on foot with my dogs, it was it was everything. So, absolutely love it. So, thanks for thanks for joining me here. But back on more track to the video game side of things, we're coming up to PAX Australia. Cannot wait for PAX this year. It's always just a great excuse to go to Melbourne and hang out with mates. But this year, as far as being a Nintendo content creator goes, it seems like they're the biggest company going. They're going to be having tournaments for Splatoon and Mario Kart, as well as showing off Mario Wonder and hopefully some other games. And uh, what else they got going? Oh, they got a My Nintendo store too, so... Maybe I'll be spending some cash there on some little knickknacks and some... <laughs> I'm a little bit worried, actually, because uh, that day, the Mario Red Edition Nintendo Switch OLED comes out. I'm a little bit nervous that, uh, you know, just all the hype, all of the excitement of the event and having it right there, I'll end up just going and picking one up. Because I <laughs> there was a few years ago when the Switch Lite came out, I remember, like, yeah, I don't really need one. I've got a Switch, and the Switch Lite does less than the Switch model I've got now. But uh, I played one at PAX. I'm like, I actually quite like the feeling of it. It's nice and small. Got a D-pad. It's its own little whole unit. But then, guess what? There was a Nintendo... Well, there's an EB Games, actually, in PAX that year. They combined with the EB Games Expo. So I went straight over and I bought one. (laughs) 
you know, they got me. They got me. It is what it is. But really look forward to PAX this year. Expect a lot of content from the event this year. It's going to be really great. So let's jump into what I've been playing this week. And what I've been playing this week has been the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet DLC, the Teal Mask. And I mentioned that I wasn't all that sure whether I was going to pick it up. But thankfully, that decision was actually made for me. Nintendo Australia reached out to me and provided the code. And typically, I've never received codes for DLC before. So that was, that was interesting. It was very nice of them to provide that code. So thank you very much to Nintendo Australia. But that did allow me to jump into the DLC, check it out for myself, played it over the weekend. And we'll get the pros out before we get to the cons. And the pros are, is that it was a lot of fun. You know, the Pokemon games are always fun. And the first night I spent just exploring the new land of Kitikama, which is like a small island based way away. <laughs> That's a weird, really way... <laughs> A really weird way to explain it, but it's very far away from the Paldea region, even to the point where the day and night cycle is switched. So if you go from Paldea to Kitakama uh, and it's daytime in uh, Paldea, it'll be nighttime in Kitakama and etc. etc. Uh, because I guess Kitakama is a lot more based on Japanese culture, it seems to be a lot closer to Japan rather than um, I guess it was it Spain, uh, Paldea is based on. So it's a very different feeling place, and I really enjoyed just exploring it, much like I did the region in Scarlet and Violet, and just catching Pokemon. There's uh, 200 newly uh, newly uh, brought in Pokemon from previous Pokemon games, as, as well as like a couple of brand new ones, which you've seen in the marketing material. I don't think there's many new ones. There is sort of a side quest that was a surprise, but uh, I won't get into that here for uh, you know spoiler reasons. But I really enjoyed exploring the land, getting new new, new Pokemon, um, you know, finding an Aplun and be like, all right, how do I evolve this into a Diplin? And honestly, I just looked it up. I'm like, all right, I need this item. It can be found here. So I went and got it. So I've got a Diplin. And uh, it's shiny. actually looks really cool. It's a, just like a golden apple instead of like the green of the other two evolutions, which is pretty cool. And I actually saw that if you get a shiny Diplin and you use its signature move, which is like, I forgot what it's called, but it like shoots out applesauce. And instead of being red, it's actually gold, like like it is with the shiny. And I don't know, that, that's the sort of small detail I actually really want when it comes to Pokemon games. And we don't typically typically get, so I'm really uh, quite, quite pleased with that. So, so like I said, the first night I just spent exploring the land, doing that, um, ignoring the story because, you know, the Pokemon stories, they just seem to waft on about blah, 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 blah. But then the second night, I jumped into the story. And for the most part, I actually really enjoyed the story. It's like a small, condensed story about a small village and their sort of their rituals, their lore, all of that. And along the way, you sort of discover that things aren't exactly how the legends are perceived. And then you go on to, you know, do what you need to do. And I actually really enjoyed the, uh, you know, the small town sort of feel um, rather than, you know, taking on a massive Pokemon League or saving the world or anything like that. It was just like a small condensed story where you're helping out this uh, mystical legendary Pokemon, you know, basically clear up its name because it's been wronged in the past. So I really actually quite enjoyed that. What I didn't enjoy about the story was the characters. You have a character, there's, there's Carmine and Kirin, and 
these characters are just so annoying. <laughs> They're very annoying. They're a brother and sister, especially Kieran. He's just, uh, you know, he's a, he's a typical teenager. He's just, you know, it's just frustrating. <laughs> Mate, just leave me alone. <laughs> For goodness sakes. But it did uh, provide some interesting context along the way where, you know, you weren't going for gyms or whether it's Totem Pokemon or anything like that. It uh, it provided an interesting sort of structure to the story where you're not just going from gym to gym or Totem Pokemon to Totem Pokemon or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they battled you along the way as the story progressed and they got better and better as things went on. And I enjoyed that sort of structure where it wasn't just going from town to town, but it was doing like certain missions or certain tasks along the way. So it probably took me like five hours. I wasn't timing it at all, but it might have been like five hours. I had a night where I was playing quite a bit on the couch next to Chantel, just in handheld mode. But yeah, it was a, a really fun time, all honestly. It was nice to go back to the game for the most part and play Pokemon, catch Pokemon and do some battles. And... What actually, I think why I enjoyed it so much is how I played it. I didn't actually play it how, you know, you typically go through a Pokemon game. You'll catch a Pokemon, you know, you'll train it up and you'll keep it in your party throughout the whole adventure. I was catching Pokemon and just swapping as I go. So I actually, I come across a Lampent at the top of a mountain and it was like level 86. Like it was just an absolutely crazy high level because for the most part, the Pokemon will be around level 60. So when I found this, I'm like, all right, so I add it to my party and then it, like, you know, it eventually faints and I just swap it out with the next thing I'll catch. And I was using all sorts of Pokemon that I typically don't use. I was using, I actually had a couple of Sand Slash at some point and uh, it was a lot of fun just rotating Pokemon because, you know, the story's not hard and the Pokemon that you are coming across are very strong. So you're actually able to do that. So that was uh, pretty cool. I enjoyed playing the Pokemon games like that. And I guess Scarlet and Violet, you can play like that because there's just so many Pokemon. You're, you're catching Pokemon so often. You have access to your boxes, your PC in the middle of nowhere. So you can do that. So yeah, I quite enjoyed my you know six to seven hour adventure all up. It was quite fun. And you know, I think I'm, I think I'm good. I think I'm done until the next DLC comes out. What I will say is going back to Scarlet and Violet. It just reminds you of how bloody friggin' broken these games are. Like, I haven't touched it since January when I finished the game. I finished it earlier this year. I think it was. Must have been. Yeah, I finished it earlier this year. Or late last year. Must have been late last year, because I haven't included it in my uh, overall tally of finished games. So it mustn't have been this year. But going back to it, I guess especially after playing Spider-Man on PS5, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, like a bunch of fantastic games that hold up technically, this game is just absolutely disgraceful in how it runs. It's just absolutely disgusting that, like, it's been out for 10 months. They're releasing new content that costs $52 for the two DLCs. And they've fixed... Next to nothing. I think, by the sounds of it, they fixed the PC. But as you're playing the game, you're playing it at a frame rate that just is unacceptable. Like, even to the point where after that um, quite big night I had with the game, the next day I was out for a walk and I could feel my eyes, like, strained. Like, it just completely strains your eyes how just technically inept this game is. Just, like, the low frame rate and how chuggy it is. It's not even at a consistent low frame rate. It's just jumping around the place. And in Pokemon battles, like how slow they are because you select a move and you can just feel the game loading it. 
It's just absolutely crazy. It's just, uh, <laughs> just the whole fact that this game sold 20 million copies in, I don't know, was it a week? Just insane. The fastest selling Nintendo game of all time. And it's just, it's the most broken, high caliber game I've ever played in my life. It's just, it's unacceptable. And if the next Pokemon game is anything like this, look, I think we've got to put our, our foot down and be like, oh, we're not, we're not buying that. Like, I know Pokemon game is, Pokemon games are so much fun, but man, what the hell? What the hell? So when it comes to the DLC, like I said, I didn't pay for it. If I didn't receive it from Nintendo Australia, I probably wouldn't have played it yet. But it's a, it's a weird spot being a um, a Nintendo podcaster where it's, it's stuff like this I think you guys actually want to hear about because you don't want to be putting your money down being like, all right, well, we'll see how it goes. You want to hear how it is first. So maybe I would have bought it for podcast reasons, but then it would have really sort of rubbed me the wrong way just how broken it is and that I'm supporting that. So, yeah, a bit of a tricky place for me necessarily, but luckily Nintendo took that decision away from me and I was able just to play it and report back on the show my thoughts. But overall, my thoughts are, it was fun. If you enjoy Pokemon Scarlet and Violet and you want more of it, go ahead, play it. It's going to be, it's going to be great. It's a fun little story. Exploring a new land is always fun in Pokemon games. Because for me, with uh, the DLC with Sword and Shield, when they announced that, I was ecstatic. And that is exactly what I want from Pokemon games. Just like a couple of drops, brand new island, new Pokemon, go and explore. That is exactly what I want. I just want it to run at a frame rate that doesn't make me feel a bit sick. I, I want to play it where I'm not looking at the game constantly and thinking like, is it going to crash on me? Because I'm looking at the shadows and the textures just flicker. Um, I've got a video on my phone of one of the, the stationary Pokemon that you meet along the way, just like vibrating just furiously. I'm like, what the hell? When you go closer to it and it just stops. Like it just constantly draws you out of the immersion. And it's a shame because I think for the most part, like the, the team responsible for the mechanics, the team responsible for the new Pokemon, the art designers, everything, I think uh, sort of sh uh, sorry, Scarlet and Violet offer a lot. And I think the next DLC drop is going to be pretty great as well, being like focused on battling and being a part of the Blueberry Academy, which is actually revealed in this, is that is a part of the um, Unova region, which is the region based in Pokemon Black and White. So it does a lot of actually cool world building stuff along the way. So you're actually going to be going to technically a different region. And I think, yeah, I think this DLC offers quite a cool sort of aspect for all of that uh that stuff for Pokemon fans, it's just how do we how do we send the message of it? This isn't uh, this isn't this isn't good enough. It really is not good enough. And I've I've talked about it on a podcast a couple of times, but it's interesting what place they fall in because with the Pokemon company, they need to fi find a way to keep Pokemon in the limelight while also giving their big Japanese RPGs the time and the respect that they deserve. Because with Pokemon, they're aiming it at kids. So there's kids coming through every year. Every year, they've got to catch those kids. Every year that they have off, they miss potentially a whole, you know, a year or a generation of kids. That's just how it is. And there's plenty of kids' content out there that will engage them and will draw them in away from Pokemon if they are not there to, 
<laughs> I guess, sell them a game or get them in. Because, yeah, a year a Pokemon game isn't out is a year that they'll go into Fortnite, they'll go into Roblox, stuff where content is constantly coming out. But when it comes to like a Japanese role-playing game, there is just... <laughs> the turnover for content is just not the same as a Battle Royale where you're just putting out skins. It's not the same as Roblox where people are making their own content. It's not the same as Minecraft where it's just infinite as far as what you can do in it. It's... Uh, it's a tricky situation they found themselves in, and they've got to find a different way to be able to get into the hearts and minds of new generations of people coming through. Because for Scarlet and Violet, they need it on a, a longer schedule, maybe similar to a Zelda game. Maybe not the same as Tears of the Kingdom, six years. I think that's a little bit extravagant um, for most gamers, as, as good as Tears of the Kingdom turned out because of it. You know, it's maybe not ideal for a lot of them. But they need to find a different way. They need a, a different sort of games. They need more spin-offs that appeal to younger kids. They need uh, they need something. They can't put out content like this because if you're a kid and you know, you're know you looking at Scarlet and Violet or you're looking at Fortnite, you know, Fortnite does a much better job as far as, you know, just from a technical perspective, getting content out there and all of that. And I'm saying that from someone who's not even a Fortnite fan or a fan of these games. It's just how it is in the market Pokemon's trying to tackle. But we will see with the next Pokemon games. Hopefully, they'll be a little bit further away. I really hope we don't get Pokemon games next year. Hopefully, if we actually... They get the message, man, because early in the Switch generation, people were frustrated at the current state of Pokemon, and when they announced like the cuts to the amount of Pokemon in it, people were like, oh, come on. like you know, It's just cut after cut. And even with the Pokemon being drawn back, you know, Scarlet and Violet didn't improve things on that front whatsoever. So, who knows, man? We can be optimists, but not sure. So, at the end of the day, I think uh, the DLC just brought up those those real sore points for me because for the most part, I've just ignored Scarlet and Violet when it's like time to bring it up on the show because some raid failed and they had to postpone it because of the technical aspects. I've just been able to ignore it for the most part, but... Now they've brought out new content and I've played it. He'll <laughs> open those wounds again. We've also reminded me that Pokemon is indeed fun. Catching Pokemon is fun and battling is fun. It's just uh, it's a fun loop and uh, they do it very well. And the, op- the open world mechanic is exactly what I've wanted for years. It's just put in a really unfortunate package. And even, even from a perspective for me, where I really enjoyed Sword and Shield, I can be a Sword and Shield apologist. I love, I love the Galar region. I love the new Pokemon. I love how, you know, it's the gym leaders are based after soccer teams, and it's all just like so competitive in the stadiums. And I, I love the whole atmosphere. I don't love the atmosphere of the Paldea region. I don't love how you're playing as what feels like a toddler going to school, and how in the DLC. <laughs> the characters are talking about spending their pocket money and things like that. It makes me just like, I'm 29. Like, <laughs> what am I doing? I'm playing a game where like my companions are talking about spending their pocket money at this festival. But, I don't know. We keep coming back. We keep having fun. But uh, if you didn't like Scarlet and Violet, stay away. Save your money. There's plenty coming out for the rest of this year. So yes, those are my thoughts on the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet DLC, the Teal Mask. We'll see what the rest brings us later in the year. I want to bring this up as well. There was an Apple event. They announced a brand new 
iPhone 15 Pro, and I just want to bring it up for its gaming capabilities. I was actually on a walk, walking my son in his pram, AirPods in, and listening to the Apple event, and uh, I got a new iPhone last year, so I'm not in the market for a new phone for another couple of years. I'm very much good. But they uh, they brought up like um, that basically full-fledged games can now be brought to iPhone because of the new uh, as an A17 chip that Apple made their system on a chip and it's now capable of ray tracing and all this uh, interesting stuff. And I was very surprised to hear that. I'm like, a phone can do ray tracing. And ray tracing to me was like something that's like in a, you know, a 30, a 3090 like graphics card or, you know, PlayStation or an Xbox, you know, a big beefy thing. But now you can play like Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil Village, Assassin's Creed Mirage, Death Stranding Director's Cut, um, those are the games announced coming to iPhone 15 Pro. And I'm like, wow, those games, like essentially PlayStation 4 games can run on your phone. A phone that is designed to do multiple things well, it's not optimized for gaming necessarily. <laughs> you know, the iPhone 15 Pro might actually be <clears throat> very optimized for games now. <clears throat> Sorry, <coughs> clear my throat a bit. But I thought it very interesting just in the perspective of the next generation Switch where... You know, this year's iPhone can run those games, but iPhone is updated every year. What's the next iPhone going to be able to run? What's the next iPhone after that going to be able to run? And now that they've got USB-C, are they going to include like an accessory like a dock where you can dock your iPhone in like a charger and it displays on your TV and then you can pick up an Xbox or a PlayStation controller and play your games that way. That would be fascinating. That would be... a just a massive direct <laughs> competitor to Switch. As much as like we can say, look, I'm not going to buy Resident Evil 4 Remake on my phone and like put it sideways and use touch controls. I'm not saying that. But with like a backbone accessory, which is a controller that you slot onto the sides, much like Joy-Cons, you can have a little mount so you can use an Xbox controller and have it as like one unit. Or like I said, it could be USB-C compatible and Thunderbolt into your TV and display on your TV. Um, and that's a device a lot of people would already have for maybe the camera or the phone capabilities or you know all of that type of thing already in their pocket. And I'm not saying that you know, Nintendo's in trouble. Of course they're not. They're going to have their own IPs. As soon as they announce a brand new Mario Kart, it's going to be you know off to the races, literally. Everybody's going to want to be able to pick that up. Um, and iPhone as well. It's a really weird situation. Like, are you going to use this as like a, a multiplayer console? Put it in, have like multiple controllers hooked up. I guess you could, but it's a little bit strange. It's a very personal device. You plug it into the TV and you give it to your kids, for example. Like, you put it. In, then they just like you know turn off airplane mode and <laughs> then they go into all your messages and like I don't know. Like you know, it's a it's a weird thing. It's not really a device I'd want solely for gaming, but it can do it. It's not just your typical device that's going to be running, um, you know, just Candy Crush and, you know, those types of games. And uh, it's kind of exciting just in the world of handheld gaming, just like all the handheld PC stuff. Apple's really targeting console gaming in a serious way. be interesting how that translates to Mac and iPad. And as far as, like, the next generation uh, Nintendo console goes, I was really thinking, like, how's this going to affect that? Uh, you know, a lot of people are still going to pick up Switch for their kids or for themselves to play Nintendo games or, you know, just games in a more comfortable, optimized setting, I dare say. 
But I really didn't believe the rumors when it came to like the ray tracing capabilities of the next generation Nintendo Switch. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, I don't believe that. But now that your phone can do that, I'm like, it probably actually can. Like, NVIDIA, who will probably be doing the system on a chip for the next generation console, would most likely be trying to target yeah, ray tracing and all of that and trying to get modern day console games onto the next generation Switch. So... Yeah, man, it's a very exciting time. Very exciting time. A little bit jealous in some ways. I actually, <laughs> some ways I'm like, oh, I wish I updated my phone this year. But I could, uh, <laughs> could you imagine playing like Death Stranding just on your phone with touch controls? It's like, yeah. Or like, yeah, Resident Evil, where you got to aim in that. Not necessarily, but it'll be, uh, it'd be great. It would be great to have that stuff on your phone. But it's not that what really excites me. What kind of excites me about like uh, these games coming to iPhone is not necessarily not necessarily those games, but just the fact that if they are on iPhone, what price are they going to charge? Are they going to be a full price game? Are they going to charge the same on iPhone, similar to what it would be on like a PlayStation Four or a PlayStation Five, or are they going to cost a little bit less? Because of course they're not going to be in the twenty dollar range. They're not going to put it down there. So it kind of opens up the App Store a little bit more to include. Um, other games that aren't as expensive, stuff like Sea of Stars, you know, indie indie games like that, if it costs fifty bucks, um, it sort of opens them up to be able to charge what they need to be able to charge on those platforms. Because um, typically, we only see like the good <laughs> indie games come to um, iOS or even Android if it's included like an Apple Arcade or your Netflix subscription. But it's just when it comes to getting games on your phone, it's always free to play. It's always gacha. It's always stuff that's just trying to rob you. <laughs> so, yeah. Be uh, be interesting to see what the future holds. I'm really interested to see what the future of the iPhone is for gaming and what Nintendo is going to do, as well as like these handheld PCs. Handheld gaming is in a great place. And uh, when it was the end of the 3DS and Vita's life, we couldn't say that. But it's, uh, it's going to be really interesting. I can't wait to play my games across all of these things. It's going to be awesome. Let's move on to some housekeeping. And this is where you can make this house a home by supporting me over at patreon.com slash idruby. And, of course, youtube.com slash idruby, where this week our sleepover episode is going to be with Paul James of player2.net. Um, it's going to be a great episode. Go and check that out. And this week, I've actually been very busy. I've recorded four sleepover episodes. I'm recording them in advance a little bit. So I can be ahead when I'm, you know, I'm shearing and all of that. So some of the conversations you might hear like, oh, Mario Wonder's out and they're talking about Mario Wonder not being out. So, you know, apologies for that. But, um, you know, I've had some great conversations with some great people over the last week or two and it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. So stay tuned for those. They come out on Fridays um, and it's been a lot of fun. And you can also follow us and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and that really helps the show out, and I'll read them on the podcast as well. This week, I haven't made much progress in my gaming challenge. I've been very much focused on recording those podcasts. My night's been taken up basically each night, doing uh, doing the podcast, then the Nintendo Direct, and then the Pokemon DLC. So that's been my week so far, but I'm working on Gunbrella at the moment, and uh, Spider-Man's Miles Morales. I've got to get back to that one. But Gunbrella, I was playing last night. It's a lot of fun. So it's a really interesting sort of adventure platformer game. I wouldn't call it a Metroidvania, but 
the way you progress is you're you know going from town to town doing certain missions and side quests for the residents in there and the gameplay is really cool too you got this gunbrella which is an umbrella shotgun which uh you know you can shoot <laughs> shoot with but then you can also do like a dash and use it as a shield use it as like a, a parasol to just float down it's really interesting mechanics and um, I'm not very good at it, but uh, it's a lot of fun nevertheless. I died a couple of times to some of the bosses. There were some areas too, which I was uh, <laughs> I was trying to get through uh, probably like four times. I'm like, oh my God. Um, I didn't have any health packs at the time. So that might have helped if I went back to the merchant, but I didn't. But I'll talk about that next week when I've actually finished the game. That code was provided by Devolver Digital. So thank you very much to those guys over there. Um, this week... Not too much about the Guru Geek Out. Just a tribute to my late friend Bobby Pauls, the Nintendo Guru. I just want to give a geek out about my new Rode Wireless Pro microphone. Um, these are brand new microphones from Rode. They're like a little wireless set. And I decided to get these because they have like a bunch of features that I thought would be really useful. Um, number one is that they sound good. You're listening to it right now. I'm out on the farm recording into it in the little handheld mode and it's and it sounds really good let me know what you think i love to hear what you th what you think about the sound whether you can hear a difference or not from my studio setup not quite sure you hear a few birds chirping around but apart from that sounds pretty good i think but it also has a feature called 32-bit float and a lot of audio people out there really love this feature but myself before this and you guys listening to this like what, what the hell is that well it's basically just that you can scream into the microphone or you can be very quiet and it doesn't clip so i can scream as loud as i want and then in post i can reduce that down and it will just sound normal apart from me obviously yelling but it won't blow out your eardrums so that's a really useful feature when i go to pax australia and you're on the convention floor and there's a lot of stuff going on. These microphones would be great for that because you can just reduce that. No clipping, no drama, and uh, just a really fantastic feature. And it's good for me too because when I'm holding it close to my face and I'm doing like the intro, you know, what's up everybody with the house tomorrow? I'm a little bit louder then. I can't help it. I can't do that while also being a bit quieter unless I'm actually just talking normal. So that's a great feature for that. So that reduces that down and it brings up when I'm just talking normal like now, which is, uh, which is awesome. So first time using it, for a proper video slash podcast. Let me know what you think and uh, really excited about it. I'm probably going to use these in the studio as well purely because I've had just such trouble on the back end when it comes to syncing up my audio from my studio microphone to my camera. It says audio drift, so over time, just the timing is just that little bit off where it just desyncs from my mouth and it's just, it's kind of unfixable in some ways. It's very frustrating. So this will hopefully fix that problem. Awesome stuff. All right, so that brings us to the Nintendo Direct. And uh, we finally got our September 2023 Nintendo Direct. It's been, uh, it hasn't been that long since the last one back in June. It honestly feels like it's been a month. And on the lead up to this Nintendo Direct, I was thinking to myself, do we really, <laughs> do we really need another Nintendo Direct? I feel like we just had it. <laughs> not that long ago and uh with all the games that were announced last last direct i really didn't think we needed another one just with you know we haven't got them yet i'm still waiting for wario i'm still waiting for mario wonder we just had a mario wonder exclusive direct i'm still waiting for you know mario rpg remake and apart from 
apart from that, we just got like a few sort of updates on existing games, but we also got some pretty exciting announcements as well. But for the most part, it was just a lot of remakes, a lot of retreading of old ground, and it does show that we are getting into the you know the final stages of the Nintendo Switch's life, which isn't a bad thing. I think all of these games I'm excited to play, I'm excited to pick up, but you know it is just telling. <laughs> We're getting very similar games that we got to the end of the 3DS's life. Like for example, we got remakes of previous Mario and Luigi games. We got uh, like a a port of uh, the first Luigi's Mansion from GameCube to 3DS. And we're getting like the exact same things now. Like, for example, a remake of Thousand Year Door, which is very exciting. We're getting a port of Luigi's Mansion 2. We're getting like the same games, like but, you know, a little bit different. The same genre sort of like moved from previous systems over. Which, like I said, isn't a bad thing, but, you know, it is just telling that, uh, you know, Mario Wonder is probably going to be the last, you know, like, massive game. Mario 1 is going to be absolutely massive. But the rest of, uh, you know, next year is going to be like, you know, Princess Peach's Showtime. It's going to be um, Thousand Year Door. It's going to be a remake of Mario versus Donkey Kong from Game Boy Advance. All stuff that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be worth your time. But yeah, it's just, it is what it is. But I can't wait. It's ex- I reckon that's exciting. It's not a bad thing. It's exciting we're getting those sort of, those uh, smaller games as well as, uh, what we're going to be getting next year. It's going to be very exciting. So the first game I want to talk about, yeah, is Princess Peach Showtime. And this was uh, pretty cool. We finally got to see it. We saw it in June. It's really weird how they sort of announced this, that, like, they sort of teased it three months ago, and now they're like, all right, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's show it properly. So, okay. It would have been really exciting if they just sort of revealed it fully this time. I was listening to uh, Josh on Nintendovania talk about that on his podcast when he went through the Nintendo Direct. And he brought that up too. It's not a po- sort of a point that I thought of. I was like, yeah, they probably should have just saved that. Like, they had the big pop of uh, Mario Wonder. They really didn't need like, oh, we also got this Peach game. So, oh, well, yeah, cool. But yeah, it would have been cool to give it like its own spotlight, a bit bigger announcement this, this week. But it's a very different game to what I thought it was going to be. It's not really a platformer. It's more akin to... Kirby in some ways with um, the fact that, you know, she's gone to the theater to watch a play and the play's sort of been taken over by this uh, this bad guy called Grapes or something like that. Like, you know, very funny, you know, peach, grapes, you know, both fruit, very funny. But yeah, it's been taken over by this bad guy, <laughs> Grapes, <laughs> fucking Grapes. <laughs> uh, fair enough, Nintendo. Um <laughs> No, oh, no, I don't like. That's throwing me right off. <laughs> uh, but you go to this theatre and it's been taken over by the bad guy and you've got to basically fill these roles um, to be a part of the play. You can be a swordsman, a detective, and these uh, you know different costumes you put on and use different abilities to get through the, th- through the particular levels. And sometimes it looks like the swordsman. It looks more like a traditional sort of platformer game with like a bit of 3D elements, you're going around using your sword to take down enemies. But other ones in The Detective, you're sort of going around different sets, sort of discovering what's going on. It seems really interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's like a different experience as far as what's going on within the world of Mario, and I'm keen to check it out. It definitely gives me like younger kids vibes, similar to what Kirby does, but you know, that's a good thing. 
I don't think that's a bad thing. I think at the end of the day, the game won't be for me, but I'll get my enjoyment out of it. And also be a game sort of in my collection I can you know, show my son when he's a little bit older and he can, can play video games. So I'm pretty, uh, pretty excited that that game's a thing. We got Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door, and this was rumored really early in the year. And we we're kind of expecting to see it at the first or the second Nintendo Direct and it never come around. Like, oh, well, it must have been, like, the Mario RPG. That must have been the rumor. But no, this game is also being remade, and I'm ecstatic about it. I was actually going to play it earlier this year. I was going to uh, give it the old download on the Dolphin emulator, play it that way. But um, when I heard the rumor, I'm like, ah, I'd rather play it officially and prettier on Switch. And uh, that dream is going to come true next year. So looking forward to it. It doesn't have a release date yet, but it will come out in 2024. Um, but yeah, this is just like a cult classic from GameCube. So, uh, really, uh, really fun that it's going to be available. It's probably, uh, after Origami King, it's going to be nice to go back to Paper Mario just when it's got its traditional turn-based battle system as well. I kind of wish that now Mario and Luigi RPGs are no longer a thing because Alpha Dream is shut down. I kind of hope they go back to just like the more traditional games. But I think the developers actually really like coming up with new mechanics and that as they go along. So yeah, that'll be fun next year. Released on the same day was F-099. And this is when you can take on basically uh, another 98 players in this Battle Royale F-Zero game. And I tried it out a little bit. I haven't dived into it that much. I only played like the first couple of races where you're still playing with only like 24 races. It sort of starts you on a smaller mode before you jump into 99. And it's fun. I'm quite bad at it. You know, just jumping straight into it for a couple of races. I'm like, yeah, I'm not very good at F-Zero from the SNES. But uh, it's cool that it's there. It's a wonderful idea. And uh, I need to spend some more time with it. But I see a few people on my Twitter timeline have like posted their wins, which is awesome. Uh, you know, bringing up Josh from Nintendovania again. Congratulations. I saw you got a win. That's awesome. But, yeah, I was just busy with the uh, Pokemon DLC this weekend. So, um, I was playing that, burning my retinas out with the frame rate. We also got Luigi's Mansion 2 HD. We knew about this from the last Direct. But we got a bit more of an idea of when it's going to be coming out. It's going to be coming out winter 2024. So, quite a while away, actually. It's a... So it's a weird game to have on the radar for that long. But this is honestly a game I am easily the least excited about. I've I've done Luigi's Mansion 2 before, and I don't need to play it again, honestly. And if I was going to play it again, I would much rather just play it on 3DS. Because Luigi's Mansion 2 on 3DS was one of the best uses of the stereo... Stereoscopic, stereoscopic 3D feature. <laughs> I was like, am I saying that right? So it definitely wasn't, but yeah. Anyway, it was one of the best uses of the feature because each room was designed like as its own little diorama. And when you're looking at it in 3D, it just looks like a little diorama you can like reach your hand into. Is one of the top three best uses of 3D on the system. Would have been like up with 3D land. That would have been, in my honest opinion, the best use of 3D, just judging jumps and all of that, as well as probably a link between worlds on 3DS, where like you go 2D and then you look through all the cracks and everything, it was, um, that was a really nice use as well. So yeah, I would honestly just play it on 3DS, but for people that never picked it up or don't have a 3DS or, you know, all that type of thing, 
go ahead, play it on Switch. I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to be great on Switch. It looks quite nice for a 3DS uh, up-res. Um, but, you know, when you compare it to Luigi's Mansion 3, <laughs> Luigi's Mansion 3 is a, a beautiful game, just regardless of whatever platform it's on. So, you know, they, they definitely stepped it up from Luigi's Mansion 2, but I'm glad people, uh, people can go back and play it. And I just want to say as well, for people in the States where it was called Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, it was actually called Luigi's Mansion 2 um, here, like, the whole time. It's only the States, I think, that changed its name for whatever reason. I don't know why. I don't know why the marketing team would have been like, we can't call it 2 there. It's a little bit strange. But it's always been Luigi's Mansion 2 here in Australia. The game that's actually coming up the quickest is Detective Pikachu Returns. Comes out the 6th of October. <coughs> October. Oh, I don't know what happened there. I just got a, a, a frog in my throat. I was going to say a throat in my frog. I don't want to put my throat in my frog. That's disgusting. Uh, but yeah, Detective Pikachu. Um, yeah, it's coming out very soon. Shown off, you can like use some uh, different Pokemon, their different abilities. And uh, it looks fun. I'm sure it'll be good. Hope this, the writing's good. The writing's going to have to be the part of the game that really drags me through. It's not going to be the the graphics or anything like that, or even the puzzles. It's not really my type of game, but I uh, I hope to God that it has like just a good, compelling mystery story, which it should because it's a game about a detective. So, fingers crossed, comes out when I go to PAX. We got new information on the expansion pass for the side order for Splatoon 3. And it comes out actually pretty late. It comes out autumn 2024. So we've got a long way. I thought it was going to like be like a drop. <laughs> Just like get stealth released um, this week or in the next month or something. But no, no, she's a long way away. And you sort of see comparisons to when they first announced the DLC to what they showed at this Direct. Um, you can see that development has been progressing quite well along the way. So, yeah, it must have been very early in development when it was announced, so fair enough. Um, I I might play it, depending on what, what people say. From the Direct, it sounded like it was going to be like a roguelite, where you just, you know, play it again and again and again and try and do better and uh, hopefully get story along the way. That'll be interesting if they can set that up in Splatoon 3. That'll be pretty cool. Um, if that's fun, I'll be going back to it, because... I actually did a sleepover episode with my good friend Wacko Jacko, and that episode is going to be called the state of, well, the current state of Splatoon Three. And after you know talking to Wacko, it was a, it made me want to play the game again. So if the DLC like dropped within the next month, I probably would have been playing it again. But yeah, we might play it again when it gets a little bit quieter, as far as game releases go. But uh, the time is not now. This is a brand new announcement. This was rumoured beforehand, and it was 100% right. Nintendo's got a leaking problem, but uh, that was okay. It prepared us for this announcement that Mario vs. Donkey Kong, the game on the Game Boy Advance, is getting a remake, remaster, whatever you want to call it, on the Nintendo Switch. It comes out next year on the 16th of February, 2024, which this is this is an interesting one for me. So... The history of this series pretty much goes back to the original original Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong 94 on the Game Boy, which was, you know, one of the best Donkey Kong games just in general. One of the best games on the Game Boy quite easily. Actually, it's easily in the top 10. It might even be at the very top of that list. It might be right up there with Pokemon for me. Like, it's just an amazing game on Game Boy. And what those games are is they're 
um, puzzle platformers. You know, you're looking to get keys. You're looking to get to certain parts of the the you know, the map. You pick, yeah, you're doing switches to open up doors. And this game is very much the same. It takes that DNA, and it it doesn't really shake it up all that much. But it added some new mechanics. And yeah, this is. And then the series, the series went on to go on the DS, like March of the Minis, where you're using the touchscreen to move a bunch of like Mario toys around to get to the goal. And the more Mario toys you could get into the door, the better your high school was and things like that. The, the series went a little bit weird, but this game was very much just, you know, that classic, sort of classic Donkey Kong in some ways with a lot more puzzles along the way. And I really enjoyed the game on Game Boy Advance. I played it a lot on emulator, actually. I never actually had a copy. But it was, uh, it was a great game. It really was. But for me, it's great to see it remade on Switch. It looks great. But they are charging $70 Australian for it. That's a lot. That's a lot for this type of game. A game that came out a long time ago, but is like a, you know, is a, a puzzle platformer. Like I would have liked to see it at most 50 bucks here in Australia. It's it's quite a lot. It's a lot of money. And honestly, just for this type of game, I would much rather just see it come to, you know, Nintendo Switch Online, part of the, the Game Boy Advance expansion pass. Instead of paying seventy dollars for, you know, three D graphics and being able to do co op with Toad. Yeah, I'm a little bit unsure about that, but depending on um depending on when it comes out, well, depending on what else comes out when this game comes out. I probably will play it, but if there's something else that I haven't played before or something else that's big and exciting, I, I don't know if Final Fantasy uh, Rebirth lines up with that. That might actually, <laughs> that'll easily take me away from it, for example. There's a lot of big games coming out early next year. But yeah, I'm a little bit just like, oh, cool, it's cool to see it. But at the same time, you've got a service where you could just add it a part of my subscription. But instead, I'm paying $70 for it to look better, whereas this type of game, I re I'm really not fussed <laughs> whether it looks better. In fact, I might actually prefer the Game Boy Advance nostalgia trip when I play it again. So yeah, kind of disappointed in some ways just how expensive it was. I think ideally this is like 30 bucks <laughs> on the eShop. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like 50 bucks too expensive for me. But anyway, um, you know, it's a great game if you haven't played it before and uh, you don't mind paying all, pretty much full price. It's only $10 less than most major Nintendo Switch games. Give it a go. But, yeah, maybe a little bit expensive for me, personally. Uh, what else we got here? We've got a fair bit. We've got a lot of stuff on this direct. We've got another another code, uh, Recollection, which I assume is a pun for Recollection as well. And these games aren't necessarily my cup of tea, but they are, you know, quite prominent games from Nintendo DS and Nintendo Wii that I haven't played. So as far as just trying to... Um, I guess, understand some more niche Nintendo titles. I'll be keen to play them for that reason. But as far as me being actually excited to play them, um, you know, if I was just a, a gamer just playing exactly what I want um, and not worrying about trying to diversify some of my gaming tastes, I probably, probably wouldn't pick it up. But just so ex I get exactly what it is, I'll just read the blurb here. The Nintendo DS game, Another Code, Two Memories, and its Wii sequel, Another Code, are a journey into the lost memories, are coming together fully enhanced on the Nintendo Switch. 
a young girl named Ashley receives a letter from her father, who she thought had passed away. Seeking answers, she sets off for a solitary island in search of him. Once there, Ashley encounters puzzles and obstacles that threaten to hinder her investigation. Find the traces of her past and experience the full story in another code uh, recollection <laughs> launching on Nintendo Switch on the 19th of January 2024 so yeah keen to uh, play it just to see what it's all about I remember seeing the DS version out like on like store shelves all the time and it's always a game I looked at but you know back then when I had like limited pocket money and you know all that type of thing it was very much like I had to take a leap of faith to try some games I've I've taken many leaps of faith in my in my life, and it's turned out well as far as video game purchases goes. Mario World was a leap of faith. Legend of Zelda: Twilight Princess was a leap of faith. Animal Crossing: Wild World was a leap of faith, and uh, yeah, all those uh, games turned out to be some of my favorite series of all time. And uh, maybe this would have been too if I just gave it a go. But we're all getting a second chance. We can play them early next year, and it's pretty cool too because uh, like the Wii game wasn't actually released here. I was talking to um, uh, Lemonade on our Discord server, and he's a massive fan of this. He's he loves the first two games. He imported the the Wii game from Europe because it was available in Europe, but it didn't come to Australia or the States, uh, which was interesting. Because in the direct, they said it didn't come to the West, whereas I guess it didn't because I guess Europe isn't the West technically. But when they say that, I just assume it was Japanese only. But it was not. It was not. We've got a few more tidbits for Super Mario RPG, game I'm looking forward to quite a bit, um, getting to experience this. You've got some new battle mechanics where you can hit everybody, you got some final moves, got some action commands that increase damage dealt, um, some pretty cool things. You can change the music from the old music to the new, mu uh, new music, so pretty, pretty cool overall. Um, looking forward to it, comes out the 17th of November. And uh, we've got WarioWare Move It as well. Which comes out on the third of November. We still, you know, we got a little bit more information about like the different poses you can use with the Joy Cons to complete the mini games, and this very much brings the the spirit of WarioWare Move it from the Wii. I'm I'm really excited for this. They're showing off a pose where like you put one Joy Con on your nose, the other one on your butt, and then you can like peck the ground like a chicken. I'm like, yes, that is the ridiculous, just dumb stuff I need in my uh in my WarioWare. So I cannot wait for this. If you're a handheld gamer, it might be a little bit disappointing because you can't really play this on the go. Like, it's not a game for the bus. <laughs> but then you switch. <laughs> and uh, just, yeah. <laughs> just do the chicken peck on the plane or something. It's like, what the hell is this bloody bloke doing? We've got some new information about Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, the booster pass. we got some new characters. And uh, got a Daisy Circuit from Mario Kart Wii as well. But apart from that, we don't know too much. We'll know more a little bit later. Comes out this year sometime. So I'm looking forward to that. This is it's gonna be a little bit sad. It's like, oh, this is gonna be the last last Mario Kart DLC until we get Mario Kart a brand new iteration next year as a launch title. I've said it here. It's gonna happen. But we're getting Funky Kong. We're getting Diddy Kong. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Peachette. And uh, Pauline as well. So, you know, get some characters. Any character that isn't Yoshi, I honestly couldn't care about, but it is what it is. Information about brand new Amiibo. 
So we got Tears of the Kingdom Amiibo coming out with Ganondorf and Zelda on the 3rd of November. I still got a pre-order, actually. I really want those Amiibos, so I've got to make sure I pre-order. We got Noah and Mayo from Xenoblade Chronicles 3 coming out the 19th of January 2024. And we actually got Sora. What the hell? We're actually getting him. Disney has unleashed the Sora rights for Nintendo to make a little plastic figure for you little weebs to buy. Isn't that nice? Um... I don't know. I, I'm nowhere near a full collection, so I don't need to get Sora. I'm not a Kingdom Hearts fan. But uh, we'll get through some of these ones a bit more quick now that these are third party. In Tomb Raider 1 to 3 Remastered. So that's pretty cool that we're getting um, that. That's available on PlayStation 4 and 5 and Xbox and that as well. Pretty cool. Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. That looks awesome. Can't wait to play that from Ubisoft. Uh, I'm probably going to sign up for Ubisoft Plus on PC. I'm going to try out The Crew, Motorfest, Assassin's Creed Mirage, um, Prince of Persia. It's like 20 bucks a, a month or something. Yeah, I'll, like, I'll put down my 20 bucks and I'll try, and to, I'll try to play those games as quick as I can. Because even if I like get it for three months and I spend 60 bucks, like, yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> That's uh, nowhere near as expensive as even just one of those games. Like the Crew Motorfest is 110 bucks. Like not on sale. Even if it's on sale, say Black Friday or Christmas time, it'll go down to 70 or 80. But yeah, no, be making money. Just making, pretty much making money. Trombone Champs. This is a game that came out last year. I heard a little bit about, but it's a rhythm game where you can use the motion controls on the Joy-Con to try and hit the notes for for the trombone. And uh, every song just sounds horrible, <laughs> and it seems like a lot of fun. I have I haven't picked it up. It's only like eighteen bucks, but I feel like like in a group of people, you're all got the Joy Cons and you're all just like making sounds. That'll be hilarious. But that came out on the day of Dave the Diver. Now this is a game I was excited to hear about. I heard a lot of people really praise this game on um, PC. It's only out on PC, and now that it's coming out on uh, Switch, it's like a limited ex console exclusive for Nintendo Switch. So that's pretty cool. Uh, it comes out on the 26th of October, but you can also play the demo. I'll read the, the blurb for this too, because I think Dave the Diver's worth diving into. <laughs> uh, dive by day, serve by night. Explore a deep sea and manage a sushi bar in this single-player casual adventure RPG. Join Dave and his quirky friends as they seek to uncover the secrets lurking in the depths of the mystery a mysterious blue hole. Unravel the ocean's worth of mysteries, play mini-games, complete side quests, and maintain a successful sushi business in this marine-themed adventure. Dave the Diver splashes down onto consoles for for consoles on Nintendo Switch on the 26th of October. So yeah, keen to play that one. There's a demo out right now if you want to give it a go. Unicorn Overlord. This... It's a hell of a name, but the game looks pretty cool. Comes out on Switch on the 8th of March, 2024. And it's by Vanillaware, so they do great work. The art style looks unreal. It's just the, the name, but... Yeah, it's like, what are you playing at the moment? Well, I'm playing... <laughs> yeah, could you imagine that? Like, your Call of Duty friends, your Fortnite friends. Like, oh, look, what are you playing these days, man? I haven't seen you in a couple of months. Yeah, I'm playing this interesting game. It's called Unicorn Overlord. It's like, yeah, right. I don't want to talk to you anymore. You sound like a... Like a funny, funny person. <laughs> we've got Saga <laughs> Emerald Beyond. Uh, we've got a brand new map for Among Us. That was a song of uh, Nanu, a League of Legends story. What else do I care about in there? We've got Contra, Eastward, um, Octopia, DLC. It's like a farming, 
farming game. Just DLC added onto that. Um, Eden Chronicles 100 Heroes. That looks um, really cool. Uh, just a really interesting JRPG. That's uh, basically like a spiritual successor to Suikoden 1 and 2, which is looks really good. Um, can they get into that one, actually? The 23rd of April it comes out, so... Thank God for that. We've got a release date. Long way away, so I don't have to think about it just yet. Thank God. Horizon Chase 2. This one's been on Apple Arcade for a while, actually. It's really great. And the first Horizon Chase um, was really awesome as well. I have that on Nintendo Switch and had a lot of fun with it. Basically doing time trials and races, real sort of arcade sort of throwback to stuff like Daytona and games like that. You might have played on the arcade. So, yeah, definitely worth checking out. That's available now on the Switch. Da-da. This was Wargroove 2 is coming to Switch on the 6th of October. I swore Wargroove 2 was already out. I really did. When they said that, I'm like, isn't it out? Apparently it's not. I really thought Wargroove 2 had already come out. <laughs> uh, but uh, apparently it had not. But apart from that, it's just, um, what was it? Uh, was it Star Ocean Second Story R? That's another game I'm really looking forward to. They released a demo of the day of as well. So um, I've downloaded it. It's ready to go. And I think I read that your progress carries over. I'm not sure if it's just same to the, like the Octopath Traveler demos where it's just the start of the story. You can play for three hours and then you can continue on when the game comes out. I'm not that sure, but the game doesn't come out until like, was it the 1st or the 3rd of November? So we've still got a little while yet. So if I play it now, I'll surely forget what the hell I'm up to. But uh, that brings us to the end of the Nintendo Direct. Talked about most of the things I'm excited about. But a lot of people were saying, like, it's a mid-Direct. It's not that exciting. It's whatever. Who cares? But honestly, I wasn't expecting anything. And we got a couple more little cherries on the top of the rest of this year and early next year. Like, really, we just got a clear, clearer picture of what we're going to be playing early next year. We're going to be playing Mario vs. Donkey Kong. going to be playing Princess Peach. Hopefully going to be playing Thousand Year Door relatively early, but I wouldn't. that wouldn't be any earlier than April, I wouldn't imagine, for that, since we already got a date for Princess Peach Showtime. But uh, pretty cool overall. Um, anybody that's complaining about it, it's like, well, you can complain about it, but still, <laughs> you got plenty of uh, games to spend your money on. That's for sure, so don't worry too much about it. Let's jump into the end of the show where we go into Doug Bowser's hot takes. And this hot take was actually provided by, once again, I'm going to give him a plug here, Josh of Nintendvania. He left this in the Discord and I thought, that's a good one. Must stir the pot, especially after all the uh, F-Zero fans have finally gotten exactly what they want. And uh, Doug's hot take this week is, the success of Mario Kart means there's no point having F-Zero Wave Race or the Excite Bike series release new games. Without further ado, oh, I should actually put up a timer. I always forget the timer, but I should put it up. Put a timer on for one minute, so then I can make sure I've rambled on long enough. So the Mario Kart series is completely much better than F-Zero, Excite Bike, or the Wave Race series. We don't need more than one racing game as far as Nintendo games go. The Mario Kart series provides all you need as far as your racing needs go. You've got on the road, you've got anti-gravity, you've got flying, you've got underwater. And what do any of these other series offer that Mario Kart doesn't already? 
like when it comes to F Zero, we literally have F Zero tracks in Mario Kart Eight when you can go super fast. You've got the anti gravity from the series as well, so F Zero really isn't needed. An Excite Bike, it's an older game, guys. Get over it. It's old. It's boring. You know, just like those sound effects. And the Excite Bike truck, the Excite Bike truck, the Excite Bike track. I was thinking of Excite truck. Uh, track is better than any Excite Bike game has ever been. That's a minute. I'm running out of time. But yeah, that's the hot take. I uh, didn't think about that one that much, and it, and it shows. But uh, thank you very much for um, staying with me there. But uh, if you'd like to bring in your own hot take, if you'd like me to just just defend a heinous hot take, you can uh, email me at drew at the house of Mario, and you can leave your hot take there. You can also just leave me questions and all of that type of thing to answer on the show as well. I'm more than happy to bring in your topics and uh, in your questions and bring them into the show. But uh, guys, that brings us to the end of The House of Mario, episode 255. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave a Apple podcast review. It really helps us out, as well as just go to youtube.com slash Ardruby and leave a subscribe there. You can also reach me on the socials at Ardruby. And if you got this far, let me know in the YouTube comments with the hashtag Thousand Year Thom. So Thousand Year T-H-O-M. Let me know you got this far. Let me know what you thought of the episode and what Nintendo game you're most excited about for the rest of the year. But until then, guys, the doors to the house of Mario, they're closed. We'll catch you later. The House of Mario, a Nintendo podcast, is recorded in the southeast of South Australia. It is produced by me, Drew Agnew, and is supported by my kind and generous housemates at patreon.com slash idruby. Call in for my behind-the-scenes podcast, Seeker Recordings, and Heaps Good, the South Aussie take on a conversational show with my good friend Josh of Nintendvania. A huge shout out to the legends who support me at the iDruby Patreon Mega Feed tier or higher on Patreon, including Brendan Myers, Oliver Chaston, Samuel Hay, DJ, and Lemonade. Let's continue to make passionate Nintendo content as we climb the stairs to 300. Thank you.